Good morning, church. It is a joy to be with all of you once again. And yes, I do look a bit different, uh, just to get that out of the way. During our time of quarantine, I decided to try something that I've never tried before, which is to try to grow a beard. And so um, this is about three weeks worth. And uh, I'm still not sure if this is something I want to keep, but who knows? Okay. Anyway, I wanted to get that out of the way. I didn't want that to be a distraction. It is a joy to be able to speak with you again. Our passage today comes from the book of Revelation. And Revelation is a book of prophecy. And it's one of the most exciting books to read in the Bible. And I want to share with you a story of uh, why I feel this passage uh, is such an important passage. When I was uh, in college, I was reading through Revelations chapter 3. And I came across this passage, verse 15 and 16. In it, the Bible says, and this is, this is Jesus speaking, okay? I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And, and that's a pretty well-known verse in the Bible. But at that time, when I was reading it, it was something that was brand new to me. So I read it, and... I was a bit scared. In fact, you know, I was really scared because the reality is that there are times when my faith in God or my commitment to God is lukewarm. I mean, there are times when I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really passionate or excited about my relationship with Him or I'm not really, uh, you know, eager to serve at church. And so I felt, you know, scared when I read this passage. And so I started talking to some of my close Christian friends. And, and what was amazing was when they read the passage, they felt the same way. You know, they were also scared. And, and the people in my, you know, my prayer group, um, you know, we would read it and we would go, oh, you know, we're not... What, we're not committed enough, you know, we're, we're going to be spit out. And so, of course, we then went to our pastor. Um, and not just one pastor, you know, another friend of mine attended another church. And so he, he spoke to his pastor as well. And then we had another friend and, and she spoke to her pastor. And the good news was that all the pastors that we spoke with, told us the same thing, which was, you're not going to lose your salvation um, because you don't feel you're committed enough to God. God does not give us our salvation um, based on how many hours uh, you know we pray or, or not something that we measure. Instead, our salvation is by grace alone, that we are saved only because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins 
And it is by only grace, God's grace and mercy, something that we don't deserve, that we are saved. And so we were all relieved to be reminded of that important gospel truth, that we are saved by faith alone. But at the same time, what was important that the pastors all said to us was that if you want to be a Christian, if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to be committed to Him. And and it should should not be a, a halfway effort. It should not be a lukewarm effort. But as a result of our relationship with Christ, our gratitude for salvation, we should be 100% committed to God. And, and that's a lesson that I remember even now to this day, how important it is. As we learn from Revelation 3, that as followers of Jesus Christ, if we claim to, to love God, that we should be fully committed to Him. And again, it should not be a halfway effort. It should not be a lukewarm commitment. But it should be a full commitment to God. And so here, uh, in this slide, my main point today is that we should be 100% committed to God. Now, I use the word 100% because that's a number that I think we all appreciate. For those of you that are students, you know, you get your paper back and it says 100% A+. You feel good about that. Because you know 100% is the the best that you can get. It is being fully committed, getting all the the full results. Okay? And so what I hope for all of us today is to remember that if we want to be committed to God, if if we're going to say that we love God and we're committed to Him, then we should be 100% committed because that is what God expects of us. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Revelations. We're going to be looking at chapter 3, about four or five verses in chapter 3. And while you're turning to that, let me show you this slide. This is the background of the church of Laodicea, which is the church that um, in this passage, there are seven churches in Revelations, and each of these churches have an important message. And the application is really relevant for each one of us today. Okay, so the church at Laodicea was a very, uh, it was a rich city. It was a, a city of wealth, and the people there, the citizens, were confident people. They were known for being very self-efficient. Okay, In fact, there's one story about how there was a catastrophe that happened to the city. And, and so Rome, you know, the capital, had offered to send them help and, and support them. But they were so self-efficient that they turned around and said, You know what? We don't want your help. We don't need your help. Uh, we can take care of ourselves. And they were able to raise support um, among each other, which showed that they were a really self-sufficient city, a very confident city. And I think that is really relevant today because we live in a society that's very self-sufficient. We want to be capable and to take care of ourselves. And so this passage here, um, 
to the church is really relevant for us today. It really is applicable. Okay, so let's take a look at this passage on here on the slide, uh, verse 14, as we start reading. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write this. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Verse 15. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. So let's pause there. And, and for my first point, I want to say that Jesus expects 100% full commitment. Okay. Now, what the passage is, is talking about here is that God wants us to fully commit, either make the decision, either we are fully committed or we're not. There's a theory that at, at Laodicea that there was um, a stream or a pond of, of water that was lukewarm. And it wasn't hot like the hot springs and it wasn't cold like uh, the other rivers around there. And, and they're using this illustration to show that you got to make a decision, okay? That it's not good to be lukewarm because it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help because it's not cold enough to help people that want cold water. And it's not uh, beneficial enough for those people who want hot water. It's just lukewarm. It's, it's useless. It's not helpful. And what, you know, and what the lesson here, you know, however you want to interpret that, the reality is that God is asking us um, to make a decision. To fully commit. Are we going to say we are for Jesus? Or are we going to say we're not? It takes 100% commitment to be fully committed. That is what God is asking for us. The reality is that throughout the Bible, you never see God saying, um, you know, give me a part of your commitment. Show me some faith uh, or give me a little bit of, of your devotion. From the book you know, of, of Genesis all the way through Revelation, God is constantly asking for people to, to make a decision to follow Him. You know, if you look at the nation of Israel, so many times God is angry with them because, because they, are, they are lukewarm uh, followers. That they, they on one hand say they follow God, but on the other hand they're following other gods. Okay? And, and God is constantly rebuking them. He sends prophets to them, reminding them to repent, to fully commit into obeying Him, to follow Him. Same in the New Testament. You know, you read through all the all the things that Jesus says, you know, Jesus says, uh, you know, if you're not willing to fully follow me. You know, to leave all these other things behind, then you're not really there to support me, to to follow me. And and you know, you read about how Paul's talking about all these people who are not willing to fully commit to Jesus. And the reality is that as Christians, 
we are called to sacrifice. Okay, to 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 basically bear our cross to follow Him, and that's what Jesus is asking. And let me give you this this uh, illustration. When Jesus asks us to fully commit, it's not uh, it's not unreasonable. Okay, the reason is the reality is that in life, if you want to do well, if you want to succeed, you need to give it your all. You know, there's so many things in this world uh, that can be accomplished, but it can only be accomplished when you fully commit. For example, I have a, a lot of students that they love basketball and, and they want to become professional NBA players. Okay. But when you talk to them, okay, you ask them how how much practice do you put in every single week? I remember I, I read somewhere that you know basketball player Steph Curry, when he was growing up as a teenager, he would always arrive a few hours ahead of time and he would practice one or two hours before the other basketball players even got there because he knew that it required a lot of commitment to be a good shooter. Another example, I, I know many of you are, you know, are good in music, right? You play piano, you play violin or guitar. Let me ask you, how many hours did it take for you to be able to play. You didn't just pick it up one day. You didn't just practice 10 minutes and then you became good at it. It requires sacrifice. Okay. Uh, I remember a, a friend who was, who was an ice skater in high school. She only became good because every morning she got up before the sun got up and, and she would go to the ice rink and she would practice you know, before school, before she could become good. Those of you in a in a relationship, a committed relationship, maybe you know, to your your spouse, uh, you know, or committed relationship, you know, when you're spending time with your children or your parents, you all know that if you want the relationship to grow, if you want to have a strong relationship, it takes commitment. It takes time. And so the Bible here is very clear. Okay, we are not to be lukewarm. We need to be committed to Christ. And on this slide, let me ask you some application questions. You know, I see here that Jesus expects one hundred percent full commitment, and I know our initial reaction would be, "Oh yeah, I'm fully committed." You know, it, it's easy to say. It's easy to say that we are one hundred percent committed to Christ. But is that really true? And let me ask you some application questions, okay? The reality is that if you want to be 100% committed to Christ, it would take some sacrifice. What that means, it, it requires that we sacrifice in terms of our time, our priorities, our commitments. Because the reality is, you cannot be committed 100% to everything. There's no way that you can be committed to everything. You need to make choices. And you have to make sacrifices. So, 
ask yourself in terms of your time, your priorities, your commitment. Are you truly committed to God? Is God a priority in your life? Is He the most important thing in your in your world? That's what it means to be fully committed. So, and I encourage you. Look in the mirror. Ask yourself: Are you committed to Christ? And if not, what are all the other things that need to be cut back or put away, so that you can be committed to God? That's the first point I want to make today. The second point here, if we look at this slide, is that we need to be one hundred percent fully dependent on God. Okay, so on one hand. We need to be one hundred percent committed to God, but at the, and at the same time, we need to be one hundred percent dependent on Him. And those two are not mutually exclusive; they do not cancel each other out. In fact, they go hand in hand. Okay, let's read in verse seventeen and verse eighteen what this means. Verse seventeen on the slide here. You say, "I am rich." I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Verse eighteen: I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And solve to put on your eyes, so you can see. This is a great passage. It's got a lot of imagery here that I think really makes its point. Okay, what what God is saying is that you know he he's speaking to the church of the Laodicea, and he's saying you know you guys think you're rich, you you claim to be self sufficient, you're depending upon yourselves. But the reality, okay, what, what what Jesus is saying, you know, what the Omega is saying here is that you know what, you don't realize it, but the reality is that you guys are pitiful, poor, blind, naked, wretched, because you do not have what is real, the what it's going to last. Okay, in other words, God is saying your worldly possessions, you know, the, your wealth, your richness. That is not going to last, and the imagery is 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 great. Here, he he contrasts everything. He turns around and says, "I counsel from you to buy from me, verse eighteen, gold refined in the fire." And as you know, gold uh, when you first find gold, it's not refined. There's a lot of impurities in there, and only after you put it and heat it up in the fire, that all the impurities melt away. And what you have left is is the the true gold. What is what is the real gold? And and that is how you know the Bible says here that when we turn to God, then that is when we are clothed with with the white clothes, the purity that God gives us, that God in His salvation that He offers us, that we are no longer naked, that He gives us cover, and 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 the and the. The medicine for our blindness is the salve that God gives us. In in other words, God is saying, "Without me, you are nothing. You are pitiful. You have nothing. 
But with me, you have everything. You have everything. Everything that you need is with me. The lesson here for us is that here on earth, all the things that we depend on, all the things that we think we are strong, whether it's our worldly belongings, uh, our wealth, our education, our popularity, um, you know, our reputations, all these things, those things ultimately is not going to be enough. Ultimately, it is only when we depend upon the Lord that we have security. In other words, whatever else that we depend on, if it's not God, those things will fail us. Because ultimately, the only way that we can ever be taken care of and, 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 and covered is through Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at this slide right here. The key point, when you place your faith in other areas, sooner or later you will be disappointed. Okay, the reality is that, you know, what the passage is saying is that, hey, you may be rich on earth. You may think that you don't, quote, need a thing. But the reality is that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. But when you go to the Lord, He is there for us. He is what we need. I read um, not too long ago an interesting article. It said that the one thing that all addictions have in common, and so think about this, okay, what what do all addictions have in common? Whether it is an addiction to alcohol or addiction to drugs or pornography, whatever addiction that people have, the one thing they have in common is that it is designed to distract you from reality. In other words, it's, it's there so that, you, so that you don't face the truth of what's going on in your life. It's there to distract you from the pain that may be in your life, from the problems in your life, from all the troubles. And, and so, for example, when people, you know, when people are addicted to, to drugs or alcohol, they enjoy that feeling because it lets them put away um, whatever problems or pain that they may be facing. But the reality is that these things do not last. That the alcohol wears off, the drugs wear off, and then you are left with the same pain, with the same problem that you had before, but they are even worse now because you have this addiction. And, and that makes a lot of sense, okay? And, and the reason why so many people get addicted is because they want to forget their pain, they want to forget their problems. They like these short-term solutions because it makes them feel better. But the sad fact is none of these addictions will ever solve your problem. In fact, they make it worse. The reality at the same time, the good news, is that Jesus is the genuine solution. Okay, Jesus is the source of of true power, that He's the only cure. 
Okay, I love using those words because if you think about it, Jesus is always telling the truth. He's not someone that's going to tell you to um, to run away from reality. He's not someone that's like a, a bandage that gives you just a, a false cover. He is the real thing. In other words, Jesus is not there to just give you a temporary um, solution to the problem. Instead, he is the real solution. Okay. For example, what is the solution for sin? Well, you can try to do many things to make you forget your sins, uh, to make you hide away from your sins. But the only solution to solve your problem of sin is forgiveness. If only Jesus gives you forgiveness for your sins. A lot of people go out there and they try to find their power from other things. Okay, But Jesus is the only power that gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only true power in our lives that gives us the strength to resist temptations, to turn away from these addictions and problems in our lives. Only the Holy Spirit within us can help us every day. You see, when Jesus went up to heaven and he he told his followers, he said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to leave with you and, and be with you. And he promises the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts, we read how the Holy Spirit comes and indwells in all believers. And, and what I'm trying to say here is that in your walk with God, you have the Holy Spirit within you. Depend upon God and do not depend on other things because these other things they will never truly satisfy you and they will never truly solve your problems. But only through Jesus Christ, only when you depend upon Him, will you have the solution to your problems. 100% depend on the Lord. Application-wise, I want to encourage you, whenever you face troubles, whatever troubles that you may be feeling now, Go to the Lord in prayer. He will listen to your prayers. He will be there for you. He will not ever forsake you. Which leads me to our final point today as we finish this passage. This third point is that Jesus is always 100% with you. Let's continue. Verse 19. Verse 19, the Bible says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. And that's true. I mean, those of you, you know, you know, if you love your child, for example, if you love your your friend or family member and they do something wrong, you need to rebuke them and, and, and discipline them because you want them to learn and be healthier and stronger afterwards. So it's true. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Verse 20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You see, during the time of Jesus, having someone come into your house and eat with you had even more meaning. It was very significant because it was a message of acceptance. 
that we were together, that we were brothers and sisters. And so when when the Bible says here that Jesus will come in and that he will eat and be with us, it's because he fully accepts us. He's knocking on our door and he wants to be with us. Verse 21, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is an invitation. This is a promise that those who follow Jesus Christ will spend eternity in heaven with him. And it's a promise that God is here for us. That whatever we may be going through, that Jesus is there. He's knocking at our door. He wants to be with us and in our lives. And He's asking us to open this door. To invite Him in so that He can be Lord of our lives. So let me encourage you today as we get ready to to close today. Let me ask you. Have you fully given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you accepted Him as your Lord and Savior? And is He in your life? Have you 100% committed your life to Him? And are you 100% dependent upon Him? If not, here is your opportunity. Jesus is knocking at your door. Let Him in. He wants to be 100% with you because He loves you. He knows who you are. He knows all your flaws. He knows your sins. But at the same time, He also gives you your forgiveness. He loves you and wants to be your Savior. And if you've already committed your life to Christ, He is there to walk with you. If you have been lukewarm in your faith, He forgives you and His door is open and He wants to come in and be a part of your life. And it's not too late to be 100% fully committed to be with Jesus. The fact is Jesus will never let you down. It's not too late and the door is open. He is there for you. This slide is a reminder. This open door is there for us. Okay? You can look at it in two ways. You can look at it as, you know, Jesus, um, come into my life. You know, come into my life. Be with me. Okay? That's what we're asking. You know, the door is open. If you want to look at it another way, look at it as, as Jesus inviting you to come into His forgiveness, into His hands, into His his, his world. That door is open for you as well. The reality is that we have hope because Jesus is there for us. He wants to give us all these things in, in the world. And some of us, we may be clinging on um, to the world. We may be clinging on to these things that we think makes us good or happy. But in reality, they, are not, they're not, they don't have a strong foundation. I want to close today by giving you this final illustration. 
And, and, and I give this illustration because even though I may not know exactly where you are in, in your life, but I think you can relate to this passage, I mean, to this, to this illustration. Okay. Once upon a time, there was a family that was awoken because the, the smoke detector in their house had gone on and that there was a fire in their house. And so what happened was the father... He, he ran upstairs to where his children were. They had an 18-month-old baby, so he grabs his 18-month-old baby on one arm, and then he grabs his four-year-old son you know, by the hand, and, 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 he, and he goes downstairs. Halfway down the stairs, that four-year-old boy realized, oh, you know what? I left my teddy bear in my room. And so he lets go of his father's hand and he runs back into his bedroom and he grabs his teddy bear. But now the, the smoke is everywhere. Now the fire is, is, is getting really strong and, and, and the fire has reached the staircase and that's completely blocked. And so the father goes outside and only after he's outside does he realize, where's my four-year-old son? He, he's got the 18 month in his hand. And so he, he panics. He's worried. So he runs to the side of the house up to the window and he looks up and there's, there's his four-year-old son holding on to the teddy bear. And, and the four-year-old son looks down at his dad. He's coughing. He's, he, he's, he's seeing all the smoke and he starts to cry. And, and because of the smoke, because of the tears that's in his eyes, he, he looks down, he can no longer see his father. Because of all the, the problems, the smoke, the tears, he says, Daddy, Daddy, I need your help, help me. And his father from below says, Son, jump out the window and I will catch you. And the little boy yelled back, Daddy, Daddy, I cannot see you. I don't want to jump. And this is what the father says back. That's okay, son. I can see you. Jump. So the boy, with, his, with, with a blind faith in his father, even though he couldn't see the father, because of the smoke and the tears, he couldn't see his father. He still had faith in his father that his father could see him. So he jumps and his father catches him and he's safe. In our lives, we may not see the problem. We may not be able to see the Lord through the problems that we face in our lives. We may not have the courage. We may have doubt to fully commit to God. Because we don't really see Him. But let me assure you, the Bible's promises are true. God sees us. He is there. Let us fully commit and depend upon Him because He is 100% committed to us. Let's bow our heads as we pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning. And we want to confess our sins. We want to confess our doubts and our, our failures in life.
we ask that you continue to watch over each one of us. Father, we thank you for the lesson here in the book of Revelations 3. But the reminder that we don't want to be lukewarm Christians. We don't want to be committed to you just halfway. We want to fully commit to you. We want to fully depend upon you. We want to follow you. So we ask for your help. We ask that you strengthen us. We ask that you continue to watch over each one of us. Help us to follow you. Help us to place our faith in you. We know that because you died on the cross and you rose from the dead, that you offer us salvation, that you forgive us, and that you know our needs. And so we, each one of us, we come before you now. We ask for your forgiveness, for your mercy and your grace. And we give you thanks for who you are, that you are our Lord and Savior. We ask that you come into our lives, that we open the door because we hear that you are knocking. We ask that you come into our lives, that you take control, and that you be Lord of our lives. So we thank you. We pray in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.